I have learned to uh, certainly look forward to Thursday mornings, even a morning that begins with 26 degrees, because of the information and education we get. Fascinating from our Michigan medicine segments, this one now included, with Dr. Ariella Shikhanoff, a professor of biomedical engineering, uh, biomedical engineering associate professor, biomedical engineering associate professor, macromolecular science and engineering. She has a, a, a laboratory named after her uh, at University of Michigan, and she is here now to uh, inform us and fascinate us with the whole idea of the promise of artificial ovaries. Dr. Ariella Shikhanoff, welcome to the Paul W. Smith Show at WJR. Hello, good morning. It's such a pleasure to be here today. Well, it is a pleasure to have you here and your colleagues every week just fascinating us with the information that goes on here. This one is a focus now for women as they are young girls in childhood cancers and the problems in fighting that cancer, what it does to the rest of their body. Exactly. So, you know, when people think about ovaries or ask to think about ovaries, we often think about it only in terms of reproductive biology. So can I have children? Am I fertile? And people really don't think that ovaries also carry very important endocrine functions. So they secrete all the hormones normally present in a woman in a women um, body. So uh, when women are diagnosed with cancer and they face those anti-cancer treatments, they can be offered to cryopreserve their eggs for future use. But unfortunately, girls, all the girls before puberty that are diagnosed with leukemia and they have to undergo those treatments, they don't have these options because their ovaries are still dormant. So not only they cannot preserve their fertility for future, they can also cannot undergo physiological puberty, which can be detrimental for their future. So you have the, as you mentioned, the adult cancer patients have the option to freeze their eggs if they want to have children later. Girls before puberty don't have this option because the ovaries are are dormant at that point. So this has a major effect on their lives. Are there current treatments in advance of this promise of artificial ovaries? So unfortunately, the only way to restore physiological puberty or just start puberty in these girls is to give them hormonal replacement therapy, the horm HRT. HRT was developed for to treat postmenopausal symptoms. It's not developed to treat puberty. Puberty is such a long transformative process. It starts very early, even before you see the signs around the age of eight, and then it lasts almost until early 20s. So it's a long, very slow process, and it's very important that the ovaries are in contact with the rest of the body. Fat, bones, cardiovascular system. So when you give these girls just hormonal replacement therapy, it just delivers steady state of estrogen and progesterone. There is no continuous crosstalk. And as a result, these girls have um, uh, looser bones. They, they're predisposed to um, osteoporosis, higher risks of diabetes and cardiovascular disease. They also don't grow as tall and whole bunch of other problems. So, so what are you researching uh, Dr. Ariella Shikhanoff with us, professor of biomedical engineering, working in female reproductive health and tissue engineering, Michigan Medicine. What what are you researching as an alternative? So we, we thought, what if we take small pieces of ovarian tissue from a donor and just 
implanted back into these girls. But because this ovarian tissue is coming from a donor, it's not self-tissue, it can be rejected by the body. And I'm a biomaterial scientist, so we designed this immuno-isolating capsule. So you would take a small tissue, piece, tissue of donor ovarian tissue, you would encapsulate it in this immuno-isolating capsule and implant it. So the immuno-isolating capsule would protect the ovarian tissue from rejection, but then because it's porous, it can sense all the circulating hormones and factors in the growing body, basically stimulating and mimicking the normal physiological ovarian function. It sounds absolutely incredible. Some of the obstacles you faced in developing the capsule probably were pretty incredible, too. This is what science is about, right? We're engineers. We love making it, failing, and then making it better every time. Hmm. Incredible. Uh, in some of these uh, studies and some of the reading I was uh, doing in advance of your visit, doctor, was something that was referred to as the valley of death. What is that? So, so we've done everything in mice. So we, we isolated tissue, we implanted tissue, we tested everything worked in mice. But obviously, you know, I want to bring it to the clinic. And this is where you have to start doing some very more, more expensive experiments. And um, a lot of biotechnologists face this process because you have to do long experiments that um, require approval of FDA. And, and it's expensive, and normal small laboratory like mine cannot afford it. So this is why it's called Valley of Death, because breaching from the lab work with mice all the way to the humans is very expensive, and I have rely, to rely on investors who typically only invest when you already have a proof of concept in humans. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've got a long story that goes along with that, and the, and the people who work in labs trying to come up with cures and having to do their tests and having to be successful with their treatments in order to get more money. Meanwhile, uh, luckily, the Frankel Innovation Initiative, made possible by a generous donation of $20 million from the Maxine and Stuart Frankel Foundation, is helping you tremendously. Absolutely. So, so I applied, and they were very generous. They gave me $500,000 for one year, which allowed me to plan and execute all the preclinical studies that I need to complete to submit documentation to the FDA and get approval to start my first inhuman clinical trial. So we're going to start. We already started this month. Uh, we're hoping to be done by October and, you know, ideally next year in, in humans. This is incredible. 30 years ago, these young girls who went through this didn't survive. That's not the case today because of your good work, doctor. Absolutely. So it's, not, it's actually not my good work. It's the good work of all the anti-cancer therapies that have been developed and improved over the past 40 years. But now, unfortunately, still these therapies let these people survive and, and live very long lives, but they're still damaging to the ovaries. So I'm hoping with my good work, I will be able to improve their lives. I am certain uh, that that, uh, that that impact early in their lives, uh, affecting their next 60 years, a better, a better life ahead of them, reaching their height, reducing their risk for diabetes, obesity, bone fractures, and other endocrine disorders. Uh, incredible. Well done. Very humble of you to say, uh, but you are a big part of this, along with all the people that you mentioned, and we thank you for sharing the information with us, Dr. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure meeting you, and I appreciate your support. Well, my pleasure. Dr. Ariella Shikhanov, 
Associate Chair of Undergraduate Education, Biomedical Engineering, Associate Professor, Biomedical Engineering, Associate Professor, Macromolecular Science and Engineering. You know, I didn't get that long a title when I graduated. 